listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to deal with tonight something maybe you've heard teaching about, maybe you've never heard teaching about, and that is the key of David and the power of the key of David at work, what it means and what it is. And uh, it's very important because there are two aspects of the key of David that are extremely um, important for us as believers, what they do for us as believers. And you can see how that will work as I'll, I'll preach and teach it tonight, but you don't want to miss this. In fact, if you didn't share it, now's the time to do that because especially now as people are being um, tested in their faith, many people are, it's something we need to understand. I've been teaching the, that, that um, it's only the truth that you know that can set you free or make you free. Only the truth that you know can set you free or make you free. So it's vital that you actually know the truth of God's word. Let me say it another way. You can't take advantage of something you don't know about. You can't take advantage of something that you don't know about. If you've ever heard me share this story, and I think, I'm trying to remember where I originally heard it, but I included it in one of the books that I wrote. Oh, and speaking of books that I wrote, by the way, guess what? If you didn't hear me give this announcement, uh, the brand new book is available further faster. It's about to go to the printer. It's finished. I shouldn't say it's available. It's finished. It's getting ready to go to the printer. If you didn't get a chance to pre-order your copy, you can do it tonight, shop.miracleword.com. And uh, I'm hoping it'll. it's actually going to ship before April the 30th. It's all being copy edited and it's about to be sent to print. And this is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. It's it's probably the best book that I've written at this point. And uh, it's going to build your faith on and help you to understand the power of impartation. It's called Further Faster, how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out, man, go and pre-order it. But in one of the books that I released, I told this story and you've probably heard me tell it before, but it bears repeating because it helps you to understand uh, why it's important to know what belongs to you. And if you ever heard me tell about at the turn of the century, uh, there was a family from another nation that was making plans to move to America, to emigrate to America uh, so that they could have a chance at opportunity, you know, and uh, they had saved up enough money. And uh, they said, listen, they, they, speaking to his elderly father, he said, now, listen, my wife and I, we're going to go to America we're going to get set up. We're going to get working. We're going to make money. And when we have enough money saved up, we're going to pay for you to come and live with us in America. And finally, when the son had made enough money, he sent his father a letter. He bought him passage on a ship to come over to America and live with them. Well, when that, that man, they were very poor. And when that man was getting ready to leave, he took the final money that he had, the last dollars that he had. And went to the store and bought himself some cheese and crackers, a block of cheese and some crackers. And when he went to the ship, he showed his ticket, he boarded the ship, went to his cabin, and that that voyage across the ocean, which would take a couple weeks to get to America, every day he stayed in his cabin and he ate that cheese and the crackers. And in fact, 
He was so embarrassed about his poverty that he never really did come out of his cabin. And on the final couple of days of the voyage, the purser came and knocked on his door to check on him. When he answered it, he said, sir, I just wanted to check on you because in all this time during the voyage, we've not seen you at any of the meals. And so the captain wanted me to check to see how you were doing and how you were feeling. He said, no, I I feel fine. Uh, And he kind of hung his head and he said, I just really can't afford to pay for any of the meals. And so I've been just eating this cheese and crackers that I brought with me for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the purser said, no, you don't understand. He said, let me see your ticket. I'll show you. And when that old man handed the purser his ticket, he looked, he said, see, you have a first class ticket that was bought for you. He said, which includes all of the meals on the voyage. He said, in fact, because of your first class ticket, you have a seat that's reserved at the captain's table. And every night we've been having dinner and the captain's just seen your empty seat and wondering why you've not been here. And he said, now, every night we've been having a different meal. And he said, and tonight, and told him what was on the menu, he said, we expect to see you in your seat at the captain's table. And and the man never realized that he already had the right to eat the best that was on the ship and what everybody else was having because it was purchased and included with his ticket. And many Christians don't realize that there are blessings and benefits and significant things that would happen that are actually purchased with their ticket to heaven, their salvation. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. Think about that. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. And so within your salvation, there are wells. There are blessings that are stored inside your covenant. Healing. There's prosperity. There's protection. There's joy. There's peace. All these things, they're packed into your covenant. I call them covenant benefits, things that come with your salvation. Jesus bought them by his precious blood. He died for them. That's why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Seven supernatural benefits that have been purchased with your with the shedding of Jesus' blood inside of your salvation covenant. The problem is if people don't know what those things are, then they can never take advantage of them. If you don't know you have a benefit, you can never take advantage of it. That's why the Bible says you will know the truth, John 8, 32, and the truth you know will make you free. You will know the truth and the truth that you know will make you free. That's why we teach these things every single night to continue to build your faith. Isaiah 12, 3, Troy is with joy, you'll draw water from the wells of salvation. So the reason we teach and preach these things is so that you'll not just know them, but have faith to receive them so that your life will look different than somebody who doesn't have a covenant of salvation. And your life should look different than somebody who does not have a covenant of salvation. How ridiculous is it for me to be saved and attached by covenant to the creator of the universe to the all-powerful God, to be connected to him by power and never, ever look any different than somebody that lives for the devil. He said, well, you know, people that aren't saved, it's not that they live for the devil. No, Jesus said that he he even called them, you sons of the devil. 
There's no neutral ground. You're either a son of God and you serve your father, God, or you're a son of the devil and you serve your father, Satan. And Jesus talked like that in the New Testament. He said, you're of your father, Satan. There's no middle ground. Just because somebody seems nice, being nice doesn't get you into heaven. And being nice and being polite doesn't get you a covenant with God. It's only by grace through faith that we have salvation. And when we have it, it should cause us to look different than other people look. I should not go through my life with a redeemer looking the same as everybody else. I should be exempted from the things that Jesus exempted me from by his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And so should you. And so through this power, we're talking about tonight, the key of David. Maybe you've never heard that phrase. Maybe you've never heard that phrase before. And so I wanted to show it to you in the scripture. It's found two places that we could look at it. Uh, Isaiah 22, but I want to take you directly to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. If you want to read it with me, that's where I'll be. Revelation chapter 3. God bless you, Teresa. Verses 7 and 8. Listen to this. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, he who is true, who has the key of David. There it is. That's talking about Jesus, by the way. He who is holy, he who is true, who has the key of David, who opens doors that no one will shut and who shuts doors that no one can open says this i know your deeds behold i have put before you an open door hallelujah which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name now understand that in context <clears throat> this is Revelation chapter two and chapter three. It's Jesus speaking to the seven churches of Asia Minor, one of them being the church of Philadelphia. But notice they're all Christians. They're all Christians. And Jesus is giving them uh, different messages as he goes to each church. But notice what he says here to the church in Philadelphia. And it's not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, by the way, if you're just a brand new believer. Um, the church of Philadelphia, he says, uh, I have put before you an open door. So number one, and I'm sure all of you know this, but you should keep it in mind, Christ is the one who has the power to set before you open doors. Jesus has the power to set before his children open doors. You see that? And God's got open doors for you in 2020 in Jesus' name. And they're not just spiritual open doors. I'm talking about even in the natural realm, open doors for you. Open doors for you to uh, to be an effective soul winner. Open doors for you to see people healed in their body. Open doors for your marriage. Open doors for your business. Christ is the one who has the ability to open doors for his children. Listen to this. He said, I have, a, I have placed before you an open door which no one can shut. I like that. I like that because the Bible says when it comes to the key of David, Jesus holds what he calls the key of David. Hey, Caitlin and Mike, love you guys. He holds what he calls the key of David. And when that means when he opens a door, no one can shut it. 
And that's what he just said to them in the, in the church in Philadelphia. He said, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut. And so I want you to get ready. And first thing I want you to confess by faith tonight in the comments section is God is opening doors for me. I want you to put that in the comments. God is opening doors for me. And that's your confession to start the night. God is opening doors for me. And let me tell you, he is. He is. I'm believing this will be the greatest year of open doors that we have ever seen in the history of our Christian lives in the mighty name of Jesus. God is opening doors for me. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. And so I want you to see this because it's so vital, so important. He said, I've put before you an open door, which no one can shut because, and we'll deal with this because number one, you have power. Number two, you've kept my word. And number three, you've not denied my name. That's powerful. Keep writing it. God is opening doors for me. God is opening doors for me and believe it. And listen, these are not just any kind of doors, but according to scripture, because Christ holds the key of David. The Bible says they are doors that no man can shut. Doors that no man can shut in Jesus' name. That's a powerful thought right there. That's a powerful thought. A door that's opened unto you by Christ that nobody can slam shut in your face. In Jesus' name. They're opening and they will stay open in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. They are opening and they will stay open in Jesus' mighty name. And so he said, because you have a little power, you have kept my word and you've, den you've not denied my name. Let me read you just a note here. Listen to this. Philadelphia, by the way, this is the kind of insight, and I will show you this, this tool that we have that we're sending to our partners. This is the, uh, the Life Application Study Bible. Look at just filled with tons of notes and maps and stuff. One of the things that you'll see, this is one of the kind of gives you some depth to help you understand uh, even deeper some of these things from scripture. Listen to the note here uh, regarding the church of Philadelphia. It says Philadelphia was founded by the citizens of Pergamos and the community was built in a frontier area as a gateway to the central plateau of Asia Minor. Listen to this. And Philadelphia's residents kept barbarians out of the region and brought in Greek culture and language. And so notice it was like a supernatural, like the picture that we're getting about a supernatural door being opened. Notice this. It was also that city that was like a almost an opening to where uh they were able to go into the central plateau of Asia Minor. And they were actually be able to, they were the ones that were able to bring in culture and language to that region, according to history. So think about how it was true in the natural and in the supernatural. They actually founded an area that on one side, barbarians were trying to get in. And on the other side, they had an opening into the central plateau of Asia Minor. And they had opportunity and the ability to bring culture and language and everything into that area. But on the other side, keeping out barbarians. So think about it. On one side, shutting a door that no man can open. 
on the other side, opening doors that no man can shut. One side closes doors, that's protection. The other side opens doors, that's opportunity. Protection plus opportunity. God will close doors for you. God will open doors for you. Hallelujah. And so I want you to see this. Um, this is a great note from the Dakes Bible. Listen to this, Dakes Notes. Eastern keys were large. I, you know, a lot of times we say the key of David, we carry little keys around on, on a key ring. And so you think about this little tiny key that would open your house or turn on your car. But notice this note from history. Eastern keys were large. And Eastern merchants were often seen carrying them on their shoulder. A key was an emblem of authority and evidence of a property or trust. Keep that in mind. The key that was carried around was an emblem of authority and evidence of a property or a trust. And God said, Christ holds that authority. He has the key of David. And when he opens doors, there's no human and no demon that can shut the door. And then when he closes doors, hallelujah, no man can open them. No demon can open them. The devil himself can't open them. So I want you to hear this because the question may be this. Why, why do you need the key of David? That's the biggest question right off the top. Why do you need that, that to even be a part of your life? Well, number one, there are doors that you personally cannot open for yourself that Christ wants to open for you. That's number one. There are doors that you cannot open for yourself that Christ wants to open on your behalf. And you think about it. Do, what kind of, a, what kind of uh, examples do we have of this? Uh, from the from the Bible. Well, I'll give you one. One is the example of Moses and Aaron delivering the people of Israel from Egyptian slavery. And they, they take them out of slavery and the Israelites are following Moses and Aaron on their way to the promised land. Well, then what happens? They end up coming to a place where there's nowhere to go. They are literally standing in front of the Red Sea. And there's no way across. There's no bridge. There's no boat. There's no ferry. There's no way across. And to make matters worse, Pharaoh has more or less come to his senses and he's angry that all of his slaves, some would say as, as few as 3 million people, some would say as many as 6 million people, whatever the number, if you've got 3 million slaves that are doing all of your nation's work for you, and in one day they up and leave your nation, that's going to cripple your economy. And so Pharaoh is ticked off that they've left the nation. And so he gets his army together and they all ride out on their chariots, horses with their weapons, and they're coming to take God's people back into slavery. So now the Jews are in a massive dilemma. We've left, we, we, you know, I'm sure some of them were thinking, man, it had been better that we never left because, you know, Pharaoh wasn't ticked off then and we were just doing our work and we were eating plenty, you know, whatever. And so I'm sure many of them had that thought. But now they've left and Pharaoh's angry and now there's nowhere for them to go. They may have felt like, I can't believe we left just for this. And now Pharaoh's riding hard with his whole army to come and take them back. And their backs are up against a wall. Let me just say, there's probably people watching this broadcast right now that you feel like your back is up against a wall. You feel like you're in a place of pressure or stress 
or anxiety or sickness or disease. You feel like there's nowhere for you to go. I guarantee you there's people watching or listening on the podcast that that's how you feel. Let me encourage you on this message. Christ holds the key of David and knows how to open doors that nobody can shut. Opens doors, hallelujah, that nobody can shut. And so the Bible says God opened that door for them on that day. And you know the story. The Bible says that Moses, in obedience to God's word, lifted up his staff unto God. And as he did, the Red Sea supernaturally parted for the people of Israel. Not just parted, but literally parted so hardcore that they walked across on dry ground. That means it wasn't just, and I've preached this many times, that means it wasn't just the big waves that moved out of their way. It was even the little droplets that stood to create muddy ground that could have stayed in the dirt. They had to leave also, and they walked across on dry ground. And let me just show you that it was God that did that and not the raising of a staff. It was God himself who caused that thing to move. Hey, Terry. Listen to Psalm 77 and verse 19. The Bible, speaking of it, uh, of this Red Sea crossing, Psalm 77, 19 says, your way, speaking to God, was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So notice this, the first person to go through the sea, according to the scripture, was God himself. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, but your footprints were unseen. God came down off of his throne, the one who holds the key of David, and went through and the sea had to get out of his way. And he opened a door for them that nobody even knew existed because it didn't exist before he opened it. For he's a creator, and he'll create open doors for you. And I'm telling you, get ready. This quarter of the year, this first quarter, is coming to an end. And we're getting ready to start the second quarter on April the 1st. I'm believing that the second quarter of 2020 will blow the first quarter out of the water. And God will open for you supernatural doors that you didn't even know existed. That you did not even know were there. And notice what happened. God walked through the sea, the sea parted for them, and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. I love it. Came through on dry ground. And the Bible says every one of them were safely across and on the other side. And here's what I like, is that when Pharaoh and his army reached the Red Sea and thought that they were going to take advantage of the blessing of God on his children. They said, oh, if that sea is going to stay open for them, it'll stay open for us. And they came riding through the sea as hard as they could to bring God's people back into bondage. And God let all of his children safely cross through with an open door. And then when all of Pharaoh's army and Pharaoh himself was in the middle of the sea, God then turned the key of David and let the water swallow them up and in one move destroyed their enemies by the power of his mighty right hand. He destroyed their enemies 
by the power of his mighty right hand. And so I want you to see this. The same miracle that brought a way of escape for God's children was the same miracle that destroyed their enemies. One miracle, and it accomplished two goals. It brought them deliverance, and it destroyed their enemies. I want you to lift your hands wherever you're watching and receive this with me. What God does for us in 2020, it's not just going to bring us into deliverance. It's not just going to bring us into the blessing, but everything that was an enemy of our soul, an enemy of our health, an enemy of our mind, an enemy of our relationships, it is being destroyed in 2020 in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. For the one who holds the key of David is opening doors that nobody can shut and he's closing doors that nobody can open. And that's going to be your story in 2020 in the mighty name that's above every name. And if you believe it, shout aloud amen into the comment section. The Bible says they came across on dry ground. I love it. I've told this before. It makes me laugh because, you know, you sometimes you'll turn the television on and you'll see these quote unquote specials that like the history channel will do, you know, the truth of the Red Sea crossing and the Exodus, you know, you know, Saturday at 9 PM, you know, you see, you'll see him announce it. You know, it's interesting to me. I love there's, there's, there's brother Mark Dunphy. Love you. And you'll see this. There's a Saturday at 9 PM, the, the truth, the shocking truth about the Exodus and the shocking truth about the Red Sea crossing. Everybody wants to tune in and uh, and see, you know, every, oh, what, what, oh, maybe the Bible didn't get it right. Wonder what really happened. And you'll get some scholar on there, you know, that that's got, um, you know, his ideas about the Bible, along with dandruff, you know, and his black suits covered in dandruff, and he's sitting there with his bifocals. And say, well, actually, if you want to know the historical truth about it, that, you know, at that time during the season of the year, uh, because of the dry season, you know, the sea would have been very, very uh, uh, low, you know, probably in some places, you know, just inches deep. And so, you know, a strong wind could have blown and, you know, blown the water a little bit so that they could have walked across on dry ground, you know, and, and literally try to explain away uh, the miracle that God did on that day. The funny thing about that is, is that God did it in such a way. I mean, I want you to think about this. God did it in such a way that no one could say that in the future. I think this is funny. Read the story and hear what happened. God did it in such a way that no one could get around the story because, you know, somebody that was a quote unquote intelligent scholar came to brother Shambach one time and said the same thing to him. Well, you know, that wasn't really a miracle brother Shambach that at the time, you know, the sea was very low and it could have been blown in a passage dry and, and brother Shambach said, praise God, then it's still, it's a greater miracle than I thought it was. And he said, why, why, why is that? I just told you it wasn't that big of a miracle. He said, no. He said, that means not only did they come across, but God drowned Pharaoh and his whole army in one inch of water. <laughs> God is so, God is wisdom. He is wisdom. He put that story together and told us the history of it and actually did it in such a way that nobody could say that wasn't a supernatural miracle. Doesn't matter how you look at it whether God parted, you know, 50 foot deep water 
or whether it was an inch and he drowned the whole army of Pharaoh. It's a miracle, no matter what. Obviously, I don't believe it, it was an inch of water. But you see what I mean? It's a miracle, no matter what. And that's what I want to encourage you with tonight, is that no matter who looks at your testimony, no matter who looks at what God does for you this year, they're going to look at it and have to declare any way you look at that, that's a miracle. Any way you view that, that is a miracle. I'm saying that God's going to do something for you to such a degree that you won't be able to take glory for it. No man will. Your company won't. Your government won't. No, Nobody will be able to take the glory for what God's going to do in you in 2020 in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so number one, God opens doors that no man can shut. I love what Paul said uh, in the New Testament. He said, uh, great doors have uh, of, of opportunity have opened unto me, though many oppose me. He said, great doors of opportunity have opened unto me, though many oppose me. Just because God opens doors for you does not mean people won't oppose you. Of course, they'll still try to oppose you. Of course, the devil will still try to oppose you. Of course, an antichrist agenda will still attempt to oppose you. But it has nothing to do with whether or not you'll be blessed. Your blessing is based upon the fact you're in covenant with the one who holds the key of David in his hand. And when he opens a door for you, nobody can shut it. No demon can close it. The devil himself cannot close it. And so we need the key of David activated in our lives because there's doors that need to be opened that we cannot open on our own. I don't know about you. I need the assistance of God. I need the assistance of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that I could do on my own without, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, we used to sing a song that, that, that you know, just really a song of consecration in one sense. And it just said, without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd truly fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. You know, that that's very plain. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Absolutely. And then we'd sing, Jesus, abide in me. As I travel life's stormy sea and make my life what you want it to be. That was the song we'd sing. What is it saying? It's it's recognizing the same thing that John the Baptist recognized. He said, I've got to decrease and he must increase. That's the same in our lives. Although he was meaning my ministry has to decrease and his ministry has to increase. The same is true with us in the spirit realm. My flesh needs to decrease and my his spirit in me it needs to come through or shine through as my flesh decreases. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, that he subdued his body on a daily basis so that after having preached to others, he would not become disqualified. I must decrease, he must increase because without him, I can't do anything. Yeah, that was the other song Terry's, Terry's mentioning. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. That's exactly right. We need God. We need Christ. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't need to reject the power of God. We need to look for and accept and welcome 
the power of God. There are doors that need to open that we cannot open for ourselves. He opens them. And that's why he has the key of David to open doors that no man can shut. But then notice what he also said. I have a key that will close doors that no man can open. In fact, it says no one can open. So that includes no demon can open it. The devil himself can't open it. That's a powerful thought because many people are dealing with things where there's an open door in their life that the enemy continually sneaks through and tries to trash their life and destroy what God is trying to build. And so through an open door that is continually being traversed by a demon that tries to destroy you, whether it be through sickness, disease, addictions, whether it be through um, you know, uh, depression, anxiety, fear, whatever it might be, uh, mess, messing with your marriage, your relationship with your children, he comes in through that door and harasses you constantly. You have to understand that uh, God has the power through the key of David. He will close doors that nobody can open. He will close doors that nobody can open. I'm believing for you that in 2020, it won't just be God opening doors for you, but it will be God completely shutting doors that for years the enemy has tried to keep open in your life things that the enemy used to try to destroy you for decades maybe. It is closing off and the opportunity for the devil will be lost in 2020 in Jesus' mighty name. I mean, you think about it, even in the time where Jesus was, where God was getting ready to release judgment on the earth in the story of Noah and Noah's ark, I want you to think about something as simple as that, uh, that example, that, uh, Noah built the ark under the instructions of God, and it was time for he and his family to be spared. All eight of them got on the ark, but one thing was left. One thing was left. When they got off the ark, there was something that they could not do that would keep them free from destruction. The door was still open, but they had no way to close that door. And so you know what the Bible says? And when they were all safely on the ark, and God shut the door. God shut the door. God reached down his hand and closed the door. But I want you to see this because it's important to recognize what God was doing here. And I'm sure you know, but I want to voice it anyway. God was closing the door on them. But notice he wasn't keeping them away from blessing by closing the door. Notice what he was doing. He was closing them into their blessing. That's a huge difference. He wasn't shutting them out of blessing. He was closing them into blessing because what was taking place? The flood was getting ready to hit the earth. The rains would pour. The waters would shoot out of the ground and the whole earth would be covered with water. But if they were inside that ark, then as they were closed in to the ark, watch what they were closed into. They were closed into protection they were closed into provision for God had already have the, had them put everything they needed inside the ark before the rains ever started, before the water ever began to come out of the ground. That ark, if you've never heard me preach this or anybody preach it, that ark is representative of Jesus Christ. It was just a type or a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ that we could come into him. And as we come into Christ, 
we are exempted from divine wrath. If we are inside of Christ, who is the Ark of the, uh, the, the Noah's Ark represents Noah's Ark. If we are inside of Christ, we are exempted from divine wrath. We are closed into him. I love this. And if we're closed into him by covenant, notice God shut the door. So God is the one who completes your covenant. Hallelujah. This is a thought that'll, that'll stir you up. God is the one who completes your covenant. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the alpha. He is the omega. Uh, in fact, it would be very helpful for you to understand this, although that's written uh, in Greek because it's in the New Testament. I want you to understand that when God spoke it, he would not have said to his children, I am the Alpha and Omega, because they weren't Greek people and he wasn't a Greek God. He was the Hebrew God and would have spoken Hebrew to his children. And so if he said to them, I am the beginning and end, and used the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, as we see in the New Testament, the Alpha, that's the first letter, the Omega, that's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He wouldn't have said that to his Hebrew children. What he would have said is that I am the Aleph, Tav, Aleph being the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Tav being the last letter. I was speaking to a great friend of mine, Pastor Dean Myers, who has studied the Hebrew language and has taken his church through in the midweek, has taken his church through a series where every midweek he covered one letter of the Hebrew language. And the reason for that is because each letter is not just a letter. It is actually a word that contains a word picture or has an explanation. And he explained this to me, the importance of understanding the Aleph Tav, the first and the last. Because, And maybe you've heard me when talking about my book, Blood on the Door, you've heard me talk about the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Chet, and how they would have painted that letter without even knowing it on the doorpost of their home when they painted the blood on the door. And the fact that that letter means life or new beginnings life or new beginnings. And so literally as they painted that letter on the doorpost of their home, the death angel would have seen in Hebrew life or new beginnings on that house. Well, in a, in the importance of teaching the Aleph Tav, Pastor Myers said this, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal thought. He said the Aleph Tav is important because Aleph, the picture, the word picture there is strength. It is strength. It, that's literally the word picture of that first letter, strength. But the word picture of the last letter, Tav, is covenant. It is covenant. And so when you put them together, it was really God not just saying, I'm the beginning and the end. He was saying to them, I am the strength of your covenant. I am the strength of your covenant. And that's who God is. He is the strength of your covenant. And that's what he was to Noah. For Noah didn't have the strength or the power to close the door, but God shut the door. And figuratively, he shut him into his covenant relationship to keep him protected and exempted from divine wrath. There are areas of our lives where we personally don't have, as you know, if you looked at somebody as a human being, a human being does not have the power or ability to close a spiritual door. He does not have the ability to close a spiritual door. You need spiritual authority to close a spiritual door. 
And so God and his power in you has the ability to close the door. A human can't do it. You can't with your human hand reach into the unseen realm, grab a spiritual door and shut it. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be able to do it by spiritual authority, by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so you don't just need God to open doors for you. You need the power of God to close doors for you. And there are things that are happening that the enemy keeps creeping in on people's lives and messing with them and messing with them and messing with them. And that day is over in Jesus' name. The day is over. God is shutting the door, shutting the door on every enemy of your soul, on every enemy of your mind, on every enemy of your family, on every enemy of your finances. I love the Psalms. Psalm 68, verse one, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. When God shuts the door, when he shows up and his power is activated in your life, every enemy has to scatter from your house. In Jesus' mighty name, every person that's watching, I want you to put it in the comments. Enemies are scattering from my house today. I want you to write that in the comments right now. Every person by faith, enemies are scattering from my house today. In Jesus' mighty name, enemies are scattering from my house today. My house is surrounded by a barrier of the blood of Jesus. And no wicked thing is allowed to cross over my blood barrier, my covenant that I have with Christ. It must scatter from my house today in Jesus' mighty name. Every enemy, hallelujah, every enemy. That's right. Put it in the comments. Enemies are scattering from my house today. Enemies are scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. I love that phrase, scattered. Running off in confusion, running off in chaos, scattered. They have to break their ranks. They're being scattered in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, Jackie, love you and your husband. Love you both very much. They must be scattered today in Jesus' name. Whatever harassed you before today is coming to an end in Jesus' name. Who does the devil think he is? Who does he think he is messing with you, messing with your family, messing with your children, messing with your body, messing with your finances? He's being scattered today in Jesus' mighty name. Every enemy, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. So why did God say this? What was the reason Christ showed up with the key of David to the church in Philadelphia? Well, he he tells us why. He tells us why. He says, number one, because you have power. He says, number two, because you've kept my word. And number three, you've not denied my name. Three reasons why he showed up with the key of David. Number one, because they had power. Number two, because they had kept his word. Number three, they'd not denied his name. Three elements that we see here. Three elements that we see in this passage that Christ lists out of his own mouth as to why he's showing up with the key of David. Number one, because you've got power. Part of the the blessing of being Holy Ghost filled is that God works with his Holy Ghost filled children and signs follow. 
You read through the New Testament, the Bible says, and the Lord worked with them and signs followed. You realize signs didn't follow Jesus until he was empowered with the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 is right after his baptism and his infilling, and signs did not follow him. There were no signs, wonders, or miracles in the life of Jesus, who, by the way, was the Son of God, not just from birth, but since the beginning of time, he was God. John 1 tells us that. And so Christ had no signs, wonders, and miracles in his life, period, until his baptism in the Holy Ghost. None. The disciples could do no signs, wonders, and miracles until they were empowered with the Holy Ghost. The church at large in the early church, the first century church, they did no signs, wonders, and miracles until the day of Pentecost, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. For Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. So number one, the power is the key. The power is the key. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives God the ability to work in and through your life. And then what happens? Well, we know in a New Testament context that we're living in today, God just, God just doesn't randomly choose to go and protect some Christians and help some Christians and then leave other ones in hurting and pain and brokenness. No, he's looking for your interaction with the Holy Spirit. He's looking for people that will answer the call and will do what they're called to do. John chapter 14 and verse 12, Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. And so as we step up in the power of the Holy Ghost, God will use us. What does the Bible say? It says, whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So do you see the context here is that God is using you. His power is in you. Don't think about it as God being separate from you or Christ being separate from you or the Holy Spirit separate from you. The Spirit of God lives in your body and you've been made one with Christ through baptism. And so now that power is in you and God works with you. So that power allows you to rebuke things that are not right and to curse things that have come against your life by the power of the Holy Ghost and see God open doors and shut things up based on what you bind and what you loose, according to Scripture. According to Scripture, whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, what, what kind of things are we binding and loosing? I bind sickness. You may hear me at the end of these broadcasts. I love to pray for, for everyone that's watching. You may hear me say things like that. I bind every spirit of infirmity that has tried to come against God's people. You see that Matthew 18, 18? Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So what do we bind? I bind every spirit of infirmity, every sickness, every disease. I bind it in Jesus' name, command it to cease and desist. But what do we loose? I loose to you the healing power of God. What did Jesus do in Matthew 8? He was loosing healing, sending healing to the centurion's servant, who was not where he was, but all the way back at the centurion's house. So what did Jesus do? He loosed healing by his words. So I'm binding sickness and I'm loosing healing. Binding sickness, 
loosing healing. I bind depression. I bind anxiety and I loose joy and I loose peace in my mind in Jesus' name. So that power is in you and God works with you. That's why people get all, see, they get all bent out of shape. They're like, well, if God's all powerful, how come it's not happening for me? Because it's not automatic. It's something you've got to interact with by the power of the Holy Ghost by faith. By faith, we do it. We bind sickness, we lose healing. Bind depression, we lose joy. I bind anxiety, I lose peace. You see? And you take authority by your words and by using and speaking God's words. He said, number one, the key of David, because you got power. He said, number two, you've kept my word. You've kept my word. Well, operating by the word of God brings power. Obeying the word of God. Let me just say this to you, and I won't stay long on this because I've taught at length about this. But when you obey the written word of God, it qualifies you for the manifestations of Christ. Bible teaches it. The Bible teaches it. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 21. When you obey the words of God that we have here in written form, it qualifies you for the manifestations of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Jesus speaking. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 14, 21. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll obey my word. And if you obey my word, I will love you. God, my father will love you and I will manifest myself to you. And so how will he manifest himself? By operating on your behalf and opening doors nobody else can open, closing doors nobody else can close, doing things that no one else can do, rivers in the desert, opening up the sea when there was no door to get through. He does supernatural things. The manifestations of Christ are not natural, they're supernatural. And he said, if you'll just obey my word, if you find it in this word, obey it, and God will work on your behalf. And so number one, by interacting with the Holy Ghost, binding and loosing, power of your words, power of confession, standing on the word, and then number two, obeying the word. He said, you've kept my word. That's what he said to the church of Philadelphia. You've kept my word. And then number three, you've not denied my name. You have not denied my name. That is straight up holiness. I refuse to deny the name of Jesus. I stand for him until I die or until Jesus comes back to rapture his church and to catch us away. One of the two is going to take place. I will die or he will come and take me away. But until then, I refuse to deny his name. I will not deny his name. I will not deny his name. You'll never see me turn away and deny the name of Jesus. I am for him. I belong to him. He purchased me by his own precious blood. As the Bible says, I don't even belong to myself anymore because I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. What happens when those three things are at work in your life? I'll tell you what happens. That God comes through Christ by the key of David and doors must open that need to be opened and doors must close that need to be closed. Let me tell you, I've been sharing this testimony because it's still just as real to me today 
as it's ever been is when we were in New Hampshire, that girl came in, man, I'll never forget that girl coming into that little church. Wasn't a, We didn't have a big church. It was a, a little Nazarene church in New Hampshire. I'll never forget this. As we were having those meetings, and they were packed because the church was so small. I mean, probably could only fit maybe 100 people or less in there, maybe less, 80. And um, as I'm preaching, this girl came in, and she was literally strung out on heroin. And you could tell it. She looked like she was strung out. She came in, you know, shaking everything. And the power of God got a hold of her that night. And she uh, she obviously gave her heart to Jesus. But I laid hands on her. The power of God hit that girl. And let me tell you, by her own confession the next night, Jesus had to have shown up. And by the key of David, shut the door that nobody else could shut on that addiction to heroin because she gave a testimony the next night, came back into the service looking like a different woman, completely different, didn't look like the same woman. She came in with a big smile, gave her testimony. She said, I woke up today after months upon months upon months upon months of doing heroin every single day. She said, I woke up this morning and I didn't, she said two things. Not only did I not do heroin today, I didn't even have the desire, hear me, I didn't even have the desire to do heroin today. You know what happened? God shut the door on that addictive demon spirit of lust. It's a lust for drugs and God closed the door by the key of David and she woke up. What happened? He let her out of an invisible prison and kicked that spirit out of her life. And she woke up in total freedom. And as the Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's the bottom line. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Notice she didn't get free over a six-month period in rehab. Hallelujah. Nope. In one moment in the presence of God. Now I know why the psalmist wrote, better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Why? Because God can do more for you in one day than anyone can do for you in thousands of days. God set her free. And let me tell you something. God's going to touch you and your family this year in Jesus' name. And I'm believing that this second quarter that's coming up is going to blow your first quarter away in Jesus' mighty name, that God will show up mightily on your behalf. Let me ask you a question as I'm getting ready to pray for you. Are you the one that God is looking for? That's my question. That's my question. Are you the one God is looking for? You may say, what does that mean? Who who is God looking for? Well, let me read you a verse. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. He's getting ready to strongly support those whose hearts are blameless. So I'm asking you, are you one of the ones he's looking for? Is your heart blameless toward him? Are you, don't say I hope, you can know it. You can know it. How do you know it? By staying in your covenant, by ensuring that you obey the word of God, living for God, not denying his name, standing on faith in his word. By grace are you saved through faith. Amen. Not of works. We didn't get saved through works. We got saved by grace through faith. But now that we are saved, there are works that should back it up. 
Read the book of James. And so tonight I'm going to pray a prayer of faith for every person. Hallelujah. For every person who's watching me right now. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm believing God that it'll be so violently seen in your life in these next three months that people will stop and ask you, what in the world's happening in your life? What, what in the world's going on with you, man? Seems like, you, I mean, you seem like, it's like so different just over the last three months. You'll have a testimony in your hand in Jesus' name. You will hold a testimony in your hand in Jesus' mighty name. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray now for every person that's watching me. Lord, we thank you that you hold the key of David in your hand. And we're declaring doors are getting ready to open like they've never opened for us in Jesus' name. And the ones that the enemy has tried to keep open are getting ready to close down for good in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, supernaturally to do something that is spectacular, that can be seen, that you'll get all the glory for over these next three months in Jesus' name. Let these next three months be so miraculous that people will clearly see that it is you and only you that could do these things in our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise for what you're about to do. Sicknesses are being destroyed even now. Depression's being destroyed even now. Anxiety attacks, panic attacks. I feel this in my spirit. There's people watching right now that you're always on the verge of the next panic attack and anxiety attack. In fact, there might have been one trying to come on you while, we, while you were watching this broadcast. Right now, by the power of God, I take authority over a spirit of fear that tries to hold you in bondage, and I rebuke that thing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, commanded to loose its grip on you and let you go. And from this night forward, peace and joy are your story by the power of God. Abide in his rest. Rest like you've never rested. In Jesus' mighty name, we declare it. We thank you, Lord, for it. We give you glory. Only you can do it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. If you believe it, put some emoji hands. Throw those hands up in the comment section. Let me know you received the prayer and shout aloud amen wherever you are. God did it. Hallelujah. God did it. One of the things, now, Amen. That's right. Throw it in the comments. Thank you, Kristen. Put it in the comments section. Now, I will say this. I will say this. That second step we're talking about, you have kept my word. There's many people that make up, they always make a mistake. And and I've had this. Even when I was as an associate pastor with my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, I was his associate for a number of years, about seven, eight years. And um, we'd have people that would come in. I, I would have people in the daytime that would come into the church. And they would say, Pastor Ted, can you pray with me? I'd say, sure. Or they'd call in. They'd call into the church. And they'd say, would you pray for me? I'd say, sure. What, what would you like me to pray for? What am I praying about? They'd say, man, I've been just really struggling financially. Would you pray that God would bless me financially and give me a financial breakthrough? And I would always say this, no, I won't. <laughs> and it would be quiet on the other side of the phone or I'd get a blank stare in person. Well, why not? And I would always tell them the same thing because prayer is not the element that God gave us to bring financial breakthrough. He didn't give us prayer. What did he give us? He gave us the system of seed time 
and harvest. It is a seed that brings back a harvest. It's always what you release that brings back a harvest. And so at the final moment here of this broadcast, I'm encouraging you because there are many people, I want you to hear me closely, there are many people that are watching this broadcast right now that need a financial breakthrough. You've been praying. You've been asking God, Lord, send me a breakthrough financially. Hear what I'm preaching and teaching tonight. Financial breakthrough does not answer to prayer. It answers to seed. It answers to seed. And one of the things that we're going to confess and believe is that the second quarter of 2020 is going to be the best financial quarter that you have ever had in the history of your life. I'm confessing it for me. I want you to confess it for you. And how does it start? It always starts with a seed. And so I want you to sow the seed that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to sow tonight. Because hear what I'm saying. Financial increase is not going to happen because we pray. It's going to happen because we're sowers. Amen. Amen. Those of you that are, that that's your story, I want you to write it in the comments. I am a sower. I am a sower. And I am too. I am too. I am a sower. And you've got to make up in your mind, I'm going to be part of the elite in the final moments of time. I'm going to be a part of the elite. What does that mean? Well, you know you're a part of the elite when you're a part of those that are sowers. I, you can tell that just statistically. How do I know? They tell you that the average Christian, not just the average, 90% of Christians don't even tithe. Think about that. 90% of Christians don't even pay their tithes and they want to be blessed. You know what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. If you want to be blessed, you not only have to be a tither, you've got to be a sower, a giver above and beyond the tithe. That's what brings financial breakthrough. And we're declaring that in this second quarter of 2020, we are going to be so abundantly blessed, it'll make this world's head spin when they see what God's doing in our life financially. That'll be your story. Isn't it going to be amazing? I mean, how are you going to dance? I want you to prepare it ahead of time. How are you going to dance? How are you going to shout when God cancels every credit card debt? How are you going to shout when, when your car is supernaturally paid off, you're driving a debt-free vehicle? How are you going to shout when your student loan debts are canceled and paid off and gone off your shoulders? Prepare for it. Prepare for it. How are you going to shout? How are you going to dance? Get it. Picture it. Picture it in your spirit because that's where God's taking you into a place of financial breakthrough. How does it begin? By asking the Lord, give me an instruction about my sowing and give me that ability and boldness to step out and do it. And so right now, the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you. Some of you, while you were watching, you already felt something in your spirit. I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to sow this seed. Sow it by faith. You can easily do it. If you're on Periscope, Twitter, Facebook, not YouTube, but the other three, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section. If you're on YouTube or anywhere else, you can always go to miracleword.com and sow a seed directly on the website, or you can use Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo to do it digitally through an app if you'd like to do it that way. All the information's on the screen. But take this moment right now very seriously because God is always looking at our hearts and our intentions. And when he asks us to do something, he's serious about it. God takes his instructions very seriously. When he speaks to you 
It is a serious instruction. Always listen for the instruction of God. It is the element that will take you consistently and continually into overflow. It always will. That's what the instruction of God does. I always read you the, uh, the, the scripture, Isaiah 48, 17. And thank you, Kim, for sowing a seed. Somebody follow Kim's example and do what you're supposed to do tonight by obeying the voice of the Spirit. It's different for everybody. For, for Kim, it was 100. For some, it'll be 50. For others, it'll be 1,000. For some, it'll be 500. Do. Thank you, Ruby, for sowing a seed. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Everybody's not at the 100 level. Everybody's not at the 1,000 level. Some, it would take a $10,000 seed to move their faith. Some, it would take 5,000. But whatever it is, do what the Lord tells you to do. Because the pressure's not on me and the pressure's not on you. It's on the instruction of the Holy Ghost. He's the one that gives us direction. That's why uh, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 48 and verse 17, it says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. When God leads you, he always leads you into profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, into increase. His instructions lead you into increase. Thank you, Katrina, for sowing a seed. His instructions lead you into overflow. Thank you, Kim, for partnering. Kim Hughes said, I am partnering. Thank you for becoming a partner. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for standing with Carolyn and me as we're taking the gospel to the world in these final moments of time. And as you understand, I like that Ariana's putting the scriptures up. Thank you for doing that. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. And so tonight he's leading you by an instruction regarding your seed. What is your seed? Those of you on YouTube, you can always use the website, miracleword.com. You can use Cash App, PayPal. You can also use Venmo. It's available. Those of you on Twitter, those of you on Periscope. And here's the thing. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, you can scroll up and there's in the description, there are links that are already there for you that you can click on to sew from your phone or your tablet. But whatever the Lord tells you to do, do that thing by faith. And what does it do? It instantly, that seed that goes in the ground, it instantly begins to call the harvest towards your life. That's scriptural. Instantly. Barbara, you got to put the hashtag sign, hashtag donate, the, the, the numbers, the number symbol. Cora is asking, what do you, what if you want to increase your monthly partnership? How do we do that? You know what the best thing to do, Cora, is? You can send an email to Jenna at miracleword.com, J-E-N-N-A at miracleword.com, and then ask her what to do. She'll show you how to log into your account on the website or increase whatever you want to increase it to, and she can help you do that. And uh, let me say thank you for uh, increasing your partnership. Thank you, Kayla, for sewing. Love you very much. Hey, people don't know this. Kayla was one of, back when I was a youth pastor, Caleb was one of my very first people that I preached to on a weekly basis. Kayla, who's now Kayla Hall, was one of my very first, well, I'll say people that listen to my messages. <laughs> and I've loved Kayla for a long time. 
I'm glad to see now she's a woman. Now she's a mom. And uh, I'm always happy to see her log on. Thank you. Jackie Blake, thank you too. That's what you need to do. Just contact Jenna at MiracleWord.com and ask her. And um, yeah, I don't even take YouTube payments, Kristen, because of that. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't even use them. Thank you, Barbara. And thank you to everybody that's stepping out. When you obey the voice of the Lord, it always brings you into increase. What happens? That seed goes into the ground. God sees what you did. And that by that obedience to his word, that harvest is already in motion. That harvest is already. You know what happens? When a seed goes into the ground, it, it actually, it's like it makes you a magnet for the harvest that's coming back. The seed you release magnetizes your life for a harvest. It pulls it in. That's why Luke 6, 38 can be so clear. Give and it shall be given unto you. Not it might be, it shall be. It will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will God cause men and women to give into your bosom, into your life. People are on their way to bless you. That's your covenant. Sarah, if you'd like to give and you're watching on YouTube, the best way to do it is to go to either go to miracleword.com and click the give button, Sarah, or if you use Cash App, as you see the logo on the screen, the little green one, you can uh, find our cash tag. It's dollar sign MWGive. Or if you want to use PayPal, our PayPal email is info at miracleword.com. Uh, but the easiest way is just to go to miracleword.com and so on the website if you're watching on YouTube. And thank you, Sarah, for doing that. Hey, Lori, God bless you. Yeah, Teresa, some of these companies get very uh, greedy even about the donations to nonprofit organizations. So, you know, we don't even use that. Like, I don't even know what they call it. It's like a super chat button or something like that. And I don't, uh, we talked about it. He said, we're not even going to activate it. It's a waste of time. I'm not, I, I have no desire to give 25% of God's people's money to Google. <laughs> we're just not going to do it. So, uh, we, we decided not to use it, but, um, I know, I know every company takes a certain percentage. You know, I understand that they have to live as a, as a company. Hey, Kristen, thank you. Thank you for sewing. I appreciate it. We love you guys, man. And then what's today? Sunday. So tomorrow we're going back to two a days. Tomorrow we go back to two a days, 10 30 AM. You don't want to miss it. And then, uh, Tomorrow night again, 7 p.m., we're going to be back here with Spirit of Faith Sessions. I'm not stopping, man. I feel the Holy Ghost on these. We're going to keep on going. Tony, love you. Appreciate you too. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate you very much as well. Of course, we're coming to the end of the month, and we want to send you this book. If you've sown a seed of $85 or more, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power by A.A. A. Allen. So please do me a favor. If you have sown $85 or more, uh, this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and please give us your address to make sure we have it, where you sowed, how much you sowed this month, and let us uh, send this to you as our gift to you as well. And for every person, if you sowed a thousand dollars or more this month of March, we are sending you these beautiful uh, life application study Bibles in genuine leather, New Living Translation. I'm going to sign it to you and your family, let you know we love you. We got more on the way right now uh, that are coming, and we're going to get them to you to say we love you. 
Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate you. Love you too. Very much. Thank you, Jackie. Yes, Lori. My that's my uncle Tiff. He's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Yes, I I do think we're in the last days, Lori. Of course. Of course I do. Amen. I agree, Cora. I refuse to watch the news like that. There's people that keep the news on in their home like constantly. I, I'm like, t- like I'm telling you, there's people that like all they do is keep the news on in their home. They've got to know every single update and every headline as soon as it's happening. And it's like I've just like come to the conclusion like, you know, I, I I'm not. I'm not going to leave that on and leave like that spirit of, you know, anxiety and panic. I got to know what's, what's good. What, what nations are struggling the most with coronavirus? Who's that? It's like, you know, I don't need to hear it. No, Lori, we don't need to be scared. Children of God never, uh, Lori's asking for those that can't see that are on YouTube or Periscope or listening on the podcast. uh, Lori's asking on Facebook, do we need to be scared based on the fact that these are the last days? No is the question is the answer. The children of God never need to be afraid. The children of God, the, those that are in covenant with Christ never need to be afraid. As Paul told Timothy in uh, second Timothy one, seven, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We don't need to be afraid. Thank you for hanging with me tonight. Thank you for being here. Uh, I love you guys. I'm going to be back again in the morning, 10.30 a.m. You're not going to want to miss it. This is going to be a great week of broadcast coming up Monday through Friday. You're not going to want to miss the morning sessions at all. Uh, we're going to finish shouting and giving God praise on a praise break. Thank you to everybody that sowed. Thank you to those that are hanging with us in every Spirit of Faith session. By the way, if you want to go Benjamin all at the same time, we have a playlist on YouTube just for the Spirit of Faith sessions, and you can go binge watch all of them. Every time they're out, they're added to the playlist. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Love you guys very much. Appreciate you. Let's have a praise break, and then I'll see you again tomorrow in the morning. God bless you guys. Sometime you got to learn that praise ain't just for you. Sometime you can throw up a praise for what he gonna do in somebody else's life. Look at neighbor and say, neighbor, Lee Cock couldn't be here. Sharon Arnold couldn't be here. So what I'm going to do right now, this next praise is for you, Lee Cock, and Sharon Arnold. It is a praise of a turnaround. One, two, one, two. Listen, Kathleen, let me explain something to y'all. Our church is made up of different groups. Young, old, we got some former Presbyterians, 
We got some former Episcopalians. We got some former Catholics. We got some AME folk, former CME folk. And we even got some former, some, some real Baptist people. And then we got some Pentecostal people, some cogent people, some apostolic people. Here's my concern. Because we come from different backgrounds, everybody can't get in on this one. If you're a Presbyterian, most of them ain't got no rhythm. If you're Episcopalian, this is too loud. If you're a Methodist, you can't put them up and put them down the right way. If you're Baptist, you're used to devotion. So what I need right now, I need everybody who got a dance. Pentecostal, apostolic, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to intercede and praise for the folk who ain't got no rhythm. The folk who don't know how to put them up and put them down. I don't want nobody here to get left out. So if you gonna believe God's gonna turn around, I need my Pentecostal folk to get in the aisle and seal this thing now with a dance for every non-dancer, for every former Methodist, for every former Episcopalian. I need you to get ugly
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.